this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor of Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz Podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. chosen people, uh, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And he continues and he says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. And so when God calls you, he calls you to a people. He calls you to the church. And so the question of week one was, have you found your people? Have you found your people yet? And last week was, when you find your people, what do you do? What do you do when you find your people? Well, you commit to your people. When you find your people, you commit to your people. Because when you come into those people and you commit to those people, those people commit to you. All of us want someone in our life that is for us. But sometimes for people to be for us, we also need to be for people. And so commit to your people. Be with your people. Because you can't be a people if you're not with your people, right? And so the question was, commit to your people. And so uh, we also heard a wonderful testimony last week. And I appreciate Barry and Amber. I got to talk with them this week, and you'll hear a little bit about that uh, later on in the sermon. But I really appreciated their heart and just their vulnerability in sharing their heart. And so if you have missed the first two weeks of this series, uh, cause you're, and you're jumping right into this week, um, I, I would just encourage you to go to um, wapaknaz.org you can click on sermons and listen there, you can go on Spotify you can go on iTunes Um, we have a lot of folks that listen all over the country to 
I know, it's Wapaknez and Wapaknez, Ohio. But yes, there are people all over the country that listen to this service. And so uh, I would just urge you to go back and listen to those two sermons because um, they will line up. Um, and so, and you'll be able to hear Barry and Amber and, and their testimony and their, their before and after story. And this week, um, I'd like to invite up a, a friend who found his people. Um, Jay, would you, would you mind coming up? Jay Swink. If uh, you can say hello to Jay. Uh, hi. hi, Jay. Hi, I'm Stephen. I'm a recovering people pleaser. How are you? I feel like we were in, in uh, is that working for you? All right, we got the light on. We're almost there, ladies and gentlemen. So this is Jay. Um, I've gotten to know Jay. Hello, hello. Wow, there you are. You are alive. Uh, well, well, this is Jay. Jay, this is this is everybody. Uh, many of them, you just see the backs of their heads during the service. Um, so, <laughs> and they see the back of your head. Um, so, Jay, I, I just, uh, man, I, first I want to say, I know this is, uh, you were supposed to be here on the first Sunday um, and uh, share your story. And unfortunately, there was a lot of illness. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's creeping through the community of Wapakoneta. Um, there was a lot of illness in family, and, and you're coming off a long day yesterday because there was more illness in the family. Um, and so I just want to say thank you, and I just firmly believe that um, God has things designed. He designs them in very specific ways, and so you're here today on purpose for this purpose. And so I, I just want to say thank you very, very much. And so, um, uh, excuse me, Jay, if you, if you can kind of, like, when was your first day, your first experience here with Wapak Naz? first week of November, um, and your experience that morning, there was a lot going on there. So I kind of want to back the truck up a little bit. Um, what was your experience with church, um, with God, well before that moment? Well, before, I've, I've been to several different churches. Uh, I never really felt welcome anywhere. I felt like I was like an outcast. People... judging me or anything like that when I came here uh, from walking in the first time like it was a totally different experience that I've that yeah. ever felt um, why did who, who invited you here well my, my sister has been coming here for quite a while now and I think she was the main the main person that, that got me here along with my family yeah your sister Jessica and, and I, I, I want to attest to this and, and she'll she'll agree and I'm sure she'll shake her head but we we were praying for you um, for quite some time in our life group on Thursday mornings um, a lot longer than just that season of the fall even into the spring of last year we were praying for you I had never met you um, we didn't many of us didn't know you but we were praying for you and so um, you came in on that Sunday had, had she had invited you Many times before that, or was that? That was the, the, like the main time that I would ever really question my guilt. Okay. Uh, along with my mom came that Sunday, which she's been attending here sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it was between the whole family coming here. So there were a lot of things that were colliding all at the same time um, around that period in your life. Um, 
and you're still kind of walking through a lot of that, but um, what are some of those things that really uh, were rearing their heads during that season of your life? So I've been dealing with a lot of depression, anxiety, uh, going down a downward spiral in my life. So last weekend in October, I uh, tried to take my own life. for you um, and then Jessica invited you in um, you came in that Sunday morning broken um, lost hurt um, just right off the moment of feeling that your life was meaningless and that there was no purpose um, you have kids you've got five kids and so there was a lot of weight on you. And when you came in that morning, I, you reminded me um, that your mom was also going through um, cancer. And uh, all of you came forward that morning. And, and uh, we prayed over you. Um, two or three weeks later, you want to share what happened with your mom at that point. That's right, man. Several of you have rung that bell in this place. And uh, something else happened that day. Um, so can you can you just kind of walk us through that, that hour and a half with this group of people and with God that morning? So sitting there and you asked me. I mean, with everything that happened that Sunday, I, I mean, I felt like I was, I was above the whole congregation. that's taken forever. Um, yeah, so, you, uh, so you're, you, you and I have been walking through that, that 52-week study, and um, you're still dealing with anxiety. I mean, just because you have Jesus in your life 
doesn't necessarily mean all of that has been cast out of you, right? Um, you're walking through it. You're, you're, sometimes you're running through it. And um, sometimes you're crawling through it. You're, you're, you're in therapy as well. And you're dealing with, with some of those things. How has... It was really interesting as you were saying... Um, you were talking about some experiences in other churches. You actually uh, said that you would attend Lima Community's uh, Christmas Eve service. And this year, you went back um, to Lima Community, I think probably after you were here, yeah, right? I played guitar here. Yeah, you played so guitar here. Service and then that night, I went to Lima Community for their Christmas Eve. So, I- explain the differences between prior to Jesus and with Jesus. Like, so, changed in your mindset about your life um, as a result of having Christ in your life and getting into the Word of God. And so I think the, the biggest thing for me is like the negativity that surrounds me every day. Not just, you know, from work. I think just overall negativity and when you surround yourself with it, it's, it wears you down. Yeah. You become a negative person yourself. him, because he mentioned that earlier today, I said, would they say that? Um, and he said, I think they would. And yeah, we've got a nodding of the head. And So they're seeing people that know you and have known you. They're seeing this transformation process happening. Uh, it wasn't like, boom, there it is, right? Like, I dream of Jeannie, you can, but it's it's been this process for you. find your people, you commit to your people and people commit to you and commitment has to deal with consistency because consistency over time it may be a small half step, it may be one full step, it may be even a quarter step but a consistency over time, things happen, transformation happens and I just want to I want to speak to Jay here and um, so our 52-week study is, is supposed to be like an hour and 15 minutes. Um, but they end up being like these two-hour Bible theological studies where he's asking all kinds of questions and he's digging into the Word and he's like, dude, I want to just know it all. I'm like, well, I, I, we only have about... And it, they end up being two-hour conversations of, of deep theological questions. Um, not just on the surface, and, and man, you're hungry. And uh, 
I just want to say, um, one, thank you for taking the risk to step inside um, of this people on a Sunday morning. Because, um, folks, I'm in here every day. Uh, this is where I work, and I work in the community. Um, it doesn't take a lot for me to walk in this place. But I do understand from previous experiences that it, it does take a lot for you to step in here, to be a part of this body on a weekly basis and maybe even on a bi-weekly basis or what have you. And you took the risk. And, man, the reward is, is amazing. And uh, I just want to say thank you for being honest and being vulnerable. And uh, does your life have purpose and meaning and intention today? What is that purpose? What is that meaning for you? Father, we, man, we praise you because you are in the business of transformation, changing lives. God, you are the God of meaning and the God of purpose and intention. You were the one that breathes that into humankind. And Lord, as Jay lived his life, he pushed you away. And in that, he pushed away his purpose and his meaning. Father, I thank you that he is alive. That blood is flowing through his veins. His heart is pumping. And his lungs are opening and closing with the air that he is breathing. I thank you that he's alive. But I also thank you that he's alive. In the name of Jesus Christ, that he is alive. Lord, we, we pray for that process. We pray and ask for that consistency and that commitment to you. And in that, that there is growth that happens in Jay's life and that people begin to see, just as Nikki testified, just as Haven shook her, shook her head. And Lord, people are seeing the change and the transformation that is happening in his life because of your Holy Spirit in him and his choices that he is making. You are making him whole. And we ask that that process continue. We thank you and we praise you. And may this body be encouraged and grow in encouragement and faith because of this testimony. But may Jay also receive that encouragement as well. It's mutual here, Lord God. And we thank you for that. It's in your name that we ask these things today, Jesus. Amen. And wait, what are you going to do this summer? Hopefully, we'll be able to do it at the end of August. What are you going to, what's going to happen? You're going to get baptized, aren't you? Sure. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Man, can we give God praise? Thanks, Bart. Thank you. Man, good deal. Thanks, my friend. That is good, man. Don't ever tell me that God cannot do great things because He is, that is what He's doing. Praise God. Man, thanks, brother. Um, I'd like for you to open up to Scripture. That's that's the best way to trans- transition here. Let's go right into Scripture. 1 John. 1 John. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then 1 John is all the way towards Revelation. So it's towards the end of the Scriptures. Um, <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read verse 7 through 19. You can pull it out on your iPhone, whatever you'd like. First John chapter 4, verse 7 through 19. And this is John speaking. <clears throat> and this is John a disciple. He was an apostle. He was a disciple hung out with Jesus for about three years. He was called by Jesus. He actually watched Jesus die. And he also saw Jesus resurrected. And this is what he says. Dear friends, that would be you. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He's speaking very personal here. He sent His Son, His one and only Son, into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, dear church, dear people, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. He continues. We know that we live in Him and He in us. Because He has given us His Spirit. And we have, tes- we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. He repeats that three times. He's really trying to drive a point here. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Father, as we let the scriptures unpack us and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, my prayer is that we be responsive to that. I have no doubt that those that are here, sitting here and listening, are able uh, able to listen. I have no doubt that your spirit is moving in their life. And that you're speaking to them. That is what you do. So Lord, I ask that you give us ears to hear and listen. That the truth goes deep into our DNA. And that we respond to that. ask this in the name of Jesus Christ today. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, it was it was in Spanish 1 class when I was a freshman geek that Mary and I started talking. And yes, I was I was 14, I was a freshman geek. And uh, I had glasses and I, I wore those sweater vests, yes, like Mr. Rogers. Um, and she was a sophomore cheer. I didn't hear that. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> she was a sophomore cheerleader that was way out of my league. Somehow, she saw past my geekiness and my quick wit, I don't know, uh, caught her eye, um, especially in the moments in Spanish class when I got really, really nervous and I didn't know how to say the answer and my glasses got really, really foggy because I was sweating so intensely, um, somehow she saw past it. And so uh, my mom and dad drove me to her house for our first date. I was 14, all right? Relax. Then Mary drove us. (sighs) I was 14, man. Then Mary drove us to Burger King for a romantic meal. Uh, my life. Um, and uh, then we drove right across the parking lot to the to the movie theater. And we were a little early for the movie, so we, we sat in the car, and she talked, and I listened, and I talked, and she listened, and there was probably a lot more awkward silence than there was talking. Um, again, it was my first date ever. Um, and so... Uh, then in the midst of the awkward silence she had pulled out two pictures of two guys that she previously dated and the hamster on the wheel was like why is she pull- why does she have these pictures in the first place and why is she showing me these two pictures and then in the moment a bomb dropped in the car and what she said absolutely shifted my thinking in my life she said They told me they loved me. Then they slept with me. They didn't love me. And it was as quiet in that car as it is here. I didn't know what to say in English or in Spanish. Because I wasn't doing really good in English either. But I 
fumbled in the silence because at that point in time in my life, I was really uncomfortable with silence. Silence is a good thing, folks. Learn to sit in it. But I, out of the hurt that I felt for her, I flippantly said, well, I love you. I was 14. Relax! I was 14! If you're 14, 15, 16, 17, chill. Don't say those things yet. Um, She snapped her head and said, no, you don't. Don't say that. And in that moment, she was right. It was a flippant statement out of empathy for her, but it was still flippant. My words were just as meaningless to her as the words of those two guys that slept with her. That's right. There were four people in this story. Mary and I and the two guys. Four people that didn't understand what true love really was. But four people that understood what true love wasn't, right? Did you follow me there? There was one that was on the receiving end of lip service. And there was another, myself, who learned that words matter and have meaning. And don't demean the words that matter. Right? And don't ever use the words that that matter and mean something flippantly, especially when they express the deepest of human emotions, right? Love is the deepest of human emotions. It was probably about three or four weeks ago, right here, over in those pews, um, during our Digging Deeper Wednesday night service, getting to clusters, probably about four or five, um, and we share scriptures, and we share requests, and what's going on in our life, we basically just open our chest cavity every now and then and just say, here it is, will you pray for this? And um, He's not here today, but I, I, Bob Lynch said something that really struck me, and I said, Bob, I'm going to steal what you just said because it was good. He said, God's love is the most powerful thing in the world. Uncannily, just a couple days later, as I was listening to a sermon from a prominent, prolific pastor, not this guy, um, he said something almost to the same effect. He said that the lo- that God's love is, in fact, the most powerful force in the universe. God's love is the most powerful force in the universe. In fact, the universe itself is created out of love. Everything exists because of love. God himself, that is his nature, that is his character. That is who he is. He's holy and he's fully love. Fully holy, fully love. And when he created, that creative act was out of love. That is his primary motivation, love. And when he created humanity, 
on that sixth day. He created humanity in such a way that we bear and hold his likeness and his image. All of the universe is under the unifying principle of love. Yes, you might be sitting here saying, no, it's science and mathematics. Well, I would agree science and mathematics is a unifying principle. Why is science and mathematics a unifying principle? Because God created science and mathematics, right? But I ask every one of us in this room, do you ever have fulfillment or will you ever have a life fulfilled because of science and mathematics? No. You probably could get by with having a very finite, limited understanding of science and mathematics. You might even be able to have a full life. Hopefully other people have a larger understanding of science and mathematics, but that is not the unifying principle of the universe. The unifying principle of the universe is God's love because that is who He is. And if God's love is the unifying principle of the universe and He created the universe out of His love and He created you in His image motivated by love, is it any wonder? Is it any wonder why that is the one thing that we long for so deeply? Is it any wonder why we have the capacity to express love, receive it? John said, God is love. See, John was probably about 80 at this point in his life. He was an old man. He lost all his friends. He literally watched Jesus Christ crucified and die. He knew that Peter was crucified upside down. He knew that James was beheaded. He lost a lot of people. John himself was exiled. And in his old age, he's looking over his shoulder and he's processing all of his life. And I would suggest to you, don't wait until you're 80 to process your life. Start as a teenager. Start now. But he looked over his shoulder and he came to the conclusion that God is love. Now, how did John come to this conclusion that God is love? Well, he did say that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Then he said, this is how God showed his love among us. That he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. He looked back on his life and and remembered that moment on the cross and remembered watching Jesus die and suffer. And he pointed back to this moment. And he concluded by what Jesus had said before and what Jesus did. He connected the words and the actions together. Remember, love isn't lip service. 
two guys told a girl that they loved her. Love isn't lip service. John even connects the action to the words. But see, John also wrote this book. John. It's named after him. John. It's really creative, right? Um, Like my email address. Stephen H. Ambrose at gmail.com. Really creative, right? But John wrote the book of John, and he remembered something Jesus said. And it was in the last night before Jesus was arrested. And it was literally moments after Judas skirted out the door to put the wheels of betrayal into motion to bring it to fruition. And Jesus said this. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, at this point in time, the disciples had heard Jesus talk about his suffering. But they weren't things weren't adding up for them. They weren't computing it. They didn't completely understand it. They didn't understand the implications for them. They didn't understand the magnitude that it would have in the world. They were still scratching their heads. And so when Jesus said this, Jesus had a context. As I have loved you. Meaning, Over the course of my time with you, what I'm about to tell you, I'm pointing to that. So that when you love one another, those are the things I want you to do. As I have loved you, so you love one another. Because Jesus knows in about 50 some days, the church will be born for the first time at Pentecost. His Holy Spirit's going to come down and live in the hearts of man and woman and kid and teenager. And people are going to look. And people are going to watch. Because John understood that what Jesus said, he also connected it to what he did. And Jesus understood that people will connect what you do to him. He will connect the words and the actions together. They're bound together. And so we ask the question today. When Jesus said, as I loved you, So you must love one another. What was he talking about? Now, if you want to do an exercise, if you want to study Scripture, here's your reading the Bible 101 for a second. I'm just going to throw this in here for free. This is good. Ask a question. Just ask a question. Then read the Scripture 
through that question and read the question through the scripture. So Jesus said, as I loved you, that's the question. How did Jesus love these disciples so that they had a context? Well, start with the disciples when they were called by Jesus. Follow me to this point and ask that question and read the scriptures and come to the conclusions. Now, folks, there's a lot of conclusions that came about when this is done. There's a lot of things that Jesus, the ways that Jesus loved his disciples that he was referring to right here and saying, you do this as I have done for you. But there's not enough time on a Sunday morning and you do not have enough attention span. And there's not enough coffee. (laughs) Right? So of the many things that Jesus wanted the disciples to carry into the church, that the church was to love one another like and by, I'm going to bring two things to surface. Okay? Because I, I do believe that these two things, well, two and a half, these two and a half things can really manifest itself and create a powerful movement that Jesus was really looking for in the church. Right? So, one, that may not be the obvious thing. Time. Time together. You think, Ambrose, that's, that's not that insightful. Well, you're right, it's not. It's basically calling out the obvious. Because for about three years, Jesus spent a majority of those three years with 12 12 people. I only have 10 fingers. 12 people. He taught them. He was behind closed doors with them. He was out in public with them. He ate with them. He sat with them. He smelled them. And there was no deodorant there in the first century. He listened to them. He asked them questions. Let them ask him questions. He heard them complain. He corrected them. He called them out. Get behind me, Satan. And literally turned his back on them when he said it. He spoke truth in love. He launched them. He said, you, you've seen me do it. You go do it now. I give you power and authority. Go do it. He cried with them. He grieved with them. They spent time together. When you find your people, you commit to your people. And when you commit to your people, you love your people. As I have loved you, So you love one another. One of the ways you can love people is just spend time with them. In fact, uh, there's a book out by Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. It's pretty popular. I've never read it, but the synopsis is there are five languages of love. It's pretty easy to understand the book without even reading it. One of those 
love languages is quality time. Meaning, I feel loved when people spend time with me. Another one of those love languages is gifts. Either I love to receive gifts or I love to give gifts. I express it this way or I receive it this way. Jesus understood that one of the love languages is time. Time together. But here's your half. So time together is one. Here's the half. I said two and a half, right? Here's the half. It's much deeper when you're at the table together. Time together at the table. Now what do I mean? So in Matthew chapter 9. That is Matthew sharing his before and after story. Like Jay shared his before and after story today. As Barry and Amber shared their before and after story. Matthew, the author of the book, Matthew, shares his before and after story. His come to Jesus moment in chapter 9. And Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's booth. And Jesus came up to the booth while he was working. And said, come follow me. And so he got up out of his tax collector booth and said, this was pointless being here in the tax collector booth. I'm going to follow you. So he follows Jesus, and what's he do? He throws a party. And Jesus eats at the table with his tax collector friends and Matthew's tax collector and sinner friends, right? Jesus is at the table. He gets accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners by the religious people, the church folk of the day, the judgy judgersons. Jesus sat at the table. Feeding the 5,000, if you read that story, it's in all four Gospels. And in a couple of them, Jesus instructs his disciples, the 12 disciples, to gather the 5,000, which is more than 5,000. We don't need to get into that. Gather them in groups of fifties and hundreds, and then have them what? Sit down with one another. Jesus sat down at the table with his disciples the night before he was crucified. He was at the table. Interestingly, at his resurrection, after his resurrection, He sat down with about seven of the disciples on the shoreline having a good fish fry. I mentioned that I'll share a little bit about Barry and Amber, and I asked asked Barry if I could share this today. It was this Wednesday that we completed the 52-week trek study. (laughs) Uncannily, and that study was on the church. The last study is about the church. And so I I just asked him, I said, do you have any questions about the study? It's kind of on the front end. It's like, I mean, what, what, what do you understand about this? And they both were like, this really made sense. I mean, it was, it was really clear. It made sense. It, I connect with it. I said, what stood out to you? And Barry flipped over the paper. If, if I'm saying it incorrectly, you can correct me, please. I'm not trying to embellish. I don't, I don't try to do that. Um, they didn't teach me that in seminary. Um, but he said, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. 
It mentioned about breaking bread. And then he shared a story of Detective Jorge Del Rio from the Dayton Police Department who sacrificed his life in the line of duty. I believe back in November. And Barry shared that he was there at the funeral in honor of Del Rio. And it was, he said that it was really interesting how those men and women that were connected to Del Rio would share stories about the man behind the badge, who he really was. And one of the things about Del Rio was he would not allow you to go through the drive-thru and get your food. You just don't eat on the run. In fact, he would say, break bread like gentlemen. I want you to break bread like gentlemen. As Barry said, break bread like a man. And Barry pulled that out of the scriptures, connected it to this moment of Del Rio. Because what Del Rio understood is what Jesus understood. That when you sit at the table with somebody, you're face to face. You're eyeball to eyeball. Guards and barriers are down for the most part. If you're eating a family meal, you're sharing the food. You're getting connected. Relationships happen. Friendships happen. You at least get to know the person that's in front of you. When you're in the drive-thru and you get your food and you eat, you're staring out the window eating your grub and you're not face-to-face. You're not making any connection. But on the deeper side of things, when you spend time together at the table, what really happens is what Jesus meant to happen in the Scriptures. You identify with one another. Because when Jesus was accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners, what Jesus was really doing was, and what he was really saying was, I identify with you, and you identify with me. That's what breaking bread actually really means. At the very end of Revelation, or at the very front end of Revelation, the very end of the Bible, Jesus says, here I am. I knock at the door. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you with me. Folks, a very pivotal way to love one another. It's time together. And the most fruitful time together is at the table. To break bread like gentlemen and women. Break bread like a man. So I suggest if you come in here on a weekly basis, Invite somebody out. Or invite yourself out. Hey, I'm going to lunch with you today. Well, then you're buying. (laughs) Get to know one another. Spend time together. Here's your other point. Serve. Serve. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Serve one another. There's a moment at the right after Jesus says, I love, I, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This, by this, everybody will know. Prior to that, on the front end of the whole meal, there was this really awkward moment like there was in the car with Mary. Everybody's looking around the table. There's something really off here. Peter and John knew it. The rest of the disciples knew it. Jesus knew it. No one wanted to admit to it. In fact, Peter and John were the ones that made preparations for the meal. And they forgot it. They forgot the foot washer. And so here are 13 people sitting around the table, all staring at one another, and no one wants to own up to it. And so what does Jesus do? He does what a master does. He gets up from the table, takes off his outer clothing, and puts a towel around his waist. And then he begins to wash each and every foot, each and every toe, including Judas. 240 toes, crevices and all. Folks, Jesus connects his words and his actions together, right? Because after that moment, Peter had a flare-up. He's the one that puts his shoot from the hip and puts his foot in his mouth. But after that flare-up, Jesus says, you know, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. But the teacher is not, the student is not above the master, nor is the master above the teacher. He had previously said, whoever wants to be first must be the very last and be servant of all. As I have loved you, as I have served you, so you must love one another. So you must serve one another. And I guarantee you, of all the things that you can do in a loving way, service, being a servant here, being a servant of all, will truly impact not only your life, but their life. If you want to be first, you must be the very last. Be servant of all. So, it was 2010, 2009, and uh, we're going to be ending here shortly. So you can start zipping things up and putting things away, as you church folk do. Um, It was 2009. I was making applications to George Fox University and uh, Fuller Theological Seminary or University on the West Coast. I was applying to their marriage and family therapy programs. I had come to the conclusion that my time at NCS was, Nazarene Christian School was done. And uh, I was filling out applications and I had a few boxes already packed in my house and I was looking forward to go ahead and putting the house up for sale. And then I, just a moment, I'll wait, don't worry, I'll wait. Am I good? All right, good, good. <laughs> um, and I, 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 met, I met Amy in October 
of that year, very end of the month. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't until December that I knew something was going on. And so there was a, a night that she had driven down from Piqua to Xenia. And we had dinner at the house, and we hung out. And uh, it was time for her to go. Um, it was late. She had a 45-minute drive, and so we were at the door, and uh, we kissed one another. <laughs> oh my goodness. So cute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh boy. And, uh, man, if you're listening online, you need to be here on Sundays. Uh, and after we kissed, I looked at her and I said, I love you too. There it is, right there. I expected that from everybody. Um, if you don't know the rest of the story, we're now married. Um, uh, I actually uh, asked her to, to marry me in, in May of, of 2010, and, and we got married in August of 2010. At some point, I quit applying to George Fox University in Fuller Theological Seminary. At one point, I unpacked my boxes and put those items back to where they belonged. We were on two separate trajectories. But when we said, I love you, those trajectories started to merge. Right? See where I'm going here? And when we said, I do... They merged together in such a way that we now have a mutual future with unlimited possibilities. When Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. When you begin to love one another, as Jesus has asked us and told us to love one another, Yes, you still have your own trajectory and your own future, but what happens is you bind yourself with the other people and you begin to have this mutual future together with unlimited possibilities. When you open yourself up, when you find your people and you commit to your people and you begin to love your people by spending time with them, by serving them, by forgiving them, and all the other things that you can pull out of the text your futures begin to come together and we, we have this mutual mission, this mutual future that has unlimited possibilities. We're going to talk about that next week, but I, I just want to drive that point home here. That now we're bound together. We're bound together and there are unlimited possibilities. So today, you might be sitting here heard this whole message and thinking, man, I came for a Valentine's Day message. That's not the way I wanted it, trust me. But uh, God's love actually is the most powerful force in the universe. 
And you've probably seen that happen in the lives of people around you. And you've wondered, man, I, God, I want that in my life. I, I, I don't have it. I want it in my life. I want the most powerful force in the universe, the whole unifying principle of love to happen on the inside of me and wreck me and change my future. And I want to find the people that I belong to. That might be you sitting here today. If that's you, we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask that you step out, maybe for the first time in your life, and say, Jesus, I want your love in me. I give you my life. So I'd ask that you stand. And you know what? We're going to keep our eyes open. You can look around all you want. But I'm going to ask, that's you. Step across that line of faith today. This is your moment. God orchestrated it for this moment right now to change your universe, to change your heart, to change your trajectory and your future. So we're going to pray with our eyes open. They do that in some countries for fear of being persecuted. And I'd like for you to pray along with me. It's very simple. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. You can have it. It's all yours. You can do better with it than I can. Jesus, I give you my life. Heavenly Father, I love you. And I thank you for the people that you've gathered around this room and that are listening online. Lord, I ask, as I look into their eyes, I ask that the love that you have for them just become so immense in their life and that they are overwhelmed with it. That it presses on the inside and the outside of them. And they experience it in such a way that they are transformed and they cannot be the same anymore. I pray for our people that become a people of prayer, a people of love, and that they actually spend time with one another, people that they may have not ever met before, who's only about 25 feet away from them, and that they serve one another. May love be the unifying principle of this church and this body. In Jesus' name I pray, and we pray. Amen. If you ask Jesus... If you said, Jesus, I give you my life, I'm going to ask that you be bold right now. Will you raise your hand and say, yes, for the first time, I have given Jesus my life. Yes? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Praise God. Man, I want to talk to you.
If you raise your hand, I want to talk to you. For the rest of you, well, including you, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Please don't kill each other out there. Um, And please love your neighbor as yourself. You have a wonderful day, wonderful evening. We'll see you tonight. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future He has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.